We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And for much of this season, we've been trying to figure out what is this Lakers team? And a lot of it's been through the coach's perspective. We've talked about lineups. We've talked about schemes, tried to look at it through the player's lens as as much as we can through the injuries and the really unusual start to the season. But it's been a while since we've taken a look at the team through the lens of the GM and through the roster. And so we're going to do that today in part because the Lakers have some decisions coming up. Stanley Johnson's 10-day contract expired yesterday, as did Darren Collison's and Jamario Jones. None of them have been brought back at this point, although if you hear the quotes and you read between the lines, Dave McMenamin reported there's mutual interest in bringing Stanley Johnson back. To start out, guys, that's the first thing. Let me clarify. The 10-day contract that Stanley Johnson was on was due to the COVID protocols, right? The, the It was a hardship exception that doesn't normally exist, but in this really unusual circumstance of this season with everyone going into protocols, that they they had that come up for teams when they get hit with a rash of, of guys going into health and safety. And so that wasn't an actual 10-day contract. Darius, the actual 10-day contracts start on the 5th, right? Yeah. On, so on Wednesday. So there's reports of mutual interest of him being brought back. Are you on the same page in that he's a no-brainer to bring back? On a 10-day, sure. There's no risk in that. It's 10 more days. I think Johnson's a useful player. Like We've talked about him a fair amount over the last week or so since he came on board. I think he hit the ground running with this team. And so we could get in more into why we think he's a fit. I think we've done plenty of that, though. But yeah, Bring him back on a 10-day. I do understand why they have not just said we are going to sign him for the rest of the season. I know that. What's what's the argument to not sign him for the rest of the season now? So first of all, you heard Frank Vogel speak to this. So Frank walked. <laughs> Frank's so good. <laughs> I love Frank Vogel because he is. He's a master at winning the press conference, and he did it from day one. Best Lakers coach, in my opinion, that we've ever had in terms of dealing with the press. Yeah. 
Oh, not oh, even more than Phil, Phil Jackson. Phil. No, 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 no. Phil, Phil. Phil's whole like pressing buttons and all of that. I, we, Mike, we got to have that conversation one day. That debate. I. Eh. Anyway, the, that is my that is my entire job to be in front of every single coach press conference. So I we would definitely have a future pot on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, no. I, I think know what it's, you're trying to say though. Different. I think you're saying a different thing. We yeah right like so it's more sorry. of a arguing arguing the value of of that sorry guys yeah I did. Uh, we we will get back into this later let me put it this way Vogel is the best coach I've seen at diffusing anything and everything in a press conference of any coach that we've had he is very good at that and and so yes. he he is very good at managing the room yes I would say Phil had different qualities which I appreciated and I'm sure this Mike is a summer pod well. yes this is a summer pod for sure anyways so. <laughs> If you listen closely to what Volga was saying, one of the first words that he brought up was flexibility. The front office values the flexibility. And flexibility isn't like, oh, we waive a guy only to sign a guy like the second that dude clears waivers, right? That's not what flexibility is. Flexibility is, hey, an extra roster spot is valuable. It's valuable for all of these reasons. It's valuable because you can make lopsided trades. You can make a two-for-one deal where you get the two back and only send out one. The Lakers did that famously during one of their championship seasons when they traded for Adam Morrison and Shannon Brown, right? And it was sort of just like, oh, everyone looked at Adam Morrison as the prize of that trade. He was a lottery pick. He was, you know, white savior Jesus dude who led Gonzaga to a Final Four. He did not pan out in the NBA, obviously, but the real prize of that trade for the Lakers was Shannon Brown. And making uneven trades like that gives you flexibility. If another guy gets waived and you have an open roster spot, potentially you can claim him off of waivers. Or if there's a buyout candidate down the road, Mike, the trade deadline is a month away. Having that flexibility, that matters. Now, I would argue there are other ways to get to that flexibility. There are end of the roster players who are not playing. And I would be exploring those options too. I'm sure the Lakers are. But the argument for saying, hey, there's mutual interest. If there is actually mutual interest between Stanley Johnson and the Lakers, then I'm guessing that mutual interest extends to another 10-day contract where you pay him over that 10-day period, everyone is happy. I'm sure he'd slot right back into the starting lineup, if not play a key role off of the bench. And that's that. And so I wouldn't be quick to be like, the Lakers are cheap, because that's an easy argument to make. But in this case, I don't think it has to do as much with tax savings as much as it has to do with that open roster spot is valuable and the Lakers want to try to hold on to it for as long as they can. Yeah, and this is still a symbiotic relationship with Johnson where I don't know another – well, I don't know many other teams where he would have this type of a role right now, especially teams that have a chance to be good. So this is is part of the reason why the Lakers were able to get Austin Reeves, for example, too, because, hey, look, it's an older roster, but whether this is his agent's thinking or his thinking – there might be an opportunity if one guy gets injured, like where our guy can come in and get some actual real minutes. And that's right. If he's playing minutes, they might be alongside LeBron James, you know, or even Russell Westbrook, like guys that are going to draw attention. And he's going to look really good in those minutes. And because exactly. in Stanley Johnson and Austin Reeves, they're trying to prove I belong in the NBA at this point. And to, right. that's what you're saying, right? Is that this provides that opportunity. And, and you don't, if you're a guy like that, you don't want to go to OKC where they've got a bunch of first round picks, a bunch of lottery guys that you just can't justify developing somebody on a 10 day next to. And most teams in the NBA have at least a couple of those guys. And the Lakers don't. 
Like the Lakers don't have a young guy where he's getting the developmental minutes or so you can immediately just plug a guy in. And I just think that the other part of this, Pete, is that they don't have to make a decision like this because Johnson is unlikely to get a guaranteed deal somewhere else. Um, right. So therefore, hey, let's kick the can down the road a, a little bit. Let's start to have some discussions trade wise. Let's start to do the stuff that Darius has been doing in the trade machine. And right, Darius? Yes. Yeah, just, yes, I have. Yeah, just yes, I just have. see what's up. And but it's a good option. And I think if if I had to make a decision like one way or the other right now, do you want Stanley Johnson on the roster or not? You say yes, but we'll see what happens as time goes by a little bit. Yeah, and the point is that he that is that we don't have to. We don't have to say yes or no at this point. I think it's quite obvious what a great fit it was for both parties. And I'm glad you brought that up from the player perspective as well, is that it's unlikely there's another spot in the NBA, especially with us transitioning to a, a small ball style of play. You know what Vogel described Stanley Johnson as the other day, which caught my ear? He described him as a small ball five. And that was something that, you know, in terms of who Who's the five? Who's not? That's a different pod, and we'll talk plenty more about that. But the type of versatility that he has, the there's not a lot of other teams that really fit Stanley Johnson perfectly right now. And so I think that you know there's it makes a lot of sense for all all parties involved. That mutual interest also extends to, hey, I'm from Los Angeles, and I wanted to be a Laker growing up, and all of that stuff is like. The agent works like the agent works for the player. I think we often forget that. Sure, the agent can steer a player in a certain direction, but if Stanley Johnson's having a candid conversation with his agent, I would imagine it's like, "Hey, can we see if this Laker thing can actually work? Can we extend that out as far as we possibly can?" And then if it doesn't, I think I'll show enough to be like, "Hey, I do actually belong in this league." And and so that mutual benefit Mike well well that Mike described, I think that that plays into it too. Well, just a quick note, this of course, right, for the Lakers, they have this advantage just in general, right? Where whether it's free agency or 10-day or anything, where they do have the advantage that players are, you know, they're going to be towards the top of a lot of guys' lists, I guess is the way I would put it. And if that's the case, I I say this somewhat tongue in cheek, but the Lakers have some outline of a young core, even after all of the dust is beginning to settle, if Johnson ends up sticking and if there is a certain degree of like, we're good for each other's for each other, you know, type of uh, of interest beyond just this season is w- between Monk and Johnson and Austin Reeves, THT, who's someone that we're going to get into later. There's there's talent. There's 25 and under talent on this roster. Uh, so I, I think we're all on the same page on Stanley Johnson. Hope to see more of him in purple and gold. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk some Avery Bradley. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So that's the next decision coming up, Mike, is Avery Bradley. What, what's the status on him? Like, how does, how does that work with his contract and being guaranteed, non-guaranteed with the Lakers? Bradley, of course, was cut by the Warriors, and that was a time where the Lakers were already starting to have a couple of guys go down, and it it made sense right, to just bring him in. Vogel trusted him, and I think you guys certainly spent a lot of time. Uh, Pete, usually it's your dogs that are barking. I'm actually inside today. Um, quick, uh, quick note. It's below 50 degrees here in Los Angeles. Now, I can tolerate this, but it's getting a little cold in the garage. Okay, so I came up uh, to the main Oh, room. the Minnesota boy was cold in his Los Angeles garage. That's, like, that's those, the thing. Those your, bitter LA yes. winters, no, losing credibility. Your Midwest, know, exactly. back home. Your Midwest oh, wow. homies are going to be on the text. <laughs> it was 50 degrees. <laughs> yeah, guys, don't send this to my high school friends, okay? I don't think they listen regularly to the pod. Uh, they might come on once in a while. But yes, p- please keep that away from them. I-, I will have a bad day on our text thread uh, from my high school crew. So Pete and Darius, you guys were two of the first that started to point out some of the lineup data, like with him in DJ. Yes. And but within that, you also pointed out, well, hold on a second. When DJ's not in there, things start to look a lot better for Avery. So I'm actually going to kick that one back to you while I go put Lila in a different room and and get your thoughts on what Bradley has done lately. So a quick clarifying note, too, on Bradley with his contract. I believe he signed a non-guaranteed contract with the Warriors. And when the Warriors cut him, the Lakers claimed him off of waivers, if I recall correctly. And so that was a little smart little twist of things because the Lakers were so shorthanded on the wing Bradley might have been able to press the Lakers if he was a quote unquote free agent and be like, hey, feels like you really need me right now. Maybe we can guarantee that contract for the entire season. But hey, nope, you got claimed. And so his contract just passed over to the Lakers. And so that's why he's still on a non-guaranteed deal with his guarantee date coming up this week. Pete, do you- On Friday. Yeah. It's on Friday. Yeah. And so the Lakers do have a decision to make on Bradley by Friday to either guarantee his contract or cut him. In terms of the date, the lineup date, the Mike- Um, When you remove DeAndre Jordan and Kent Bazemore from the lineups, suddenly Avery Bradley is in a bunch of positive lineups for the Lakers and his on-off numbers just skyrocket. And it's just like, oh, look at this. You need to go down to the fifth or the sixth most used lineup. And out of his 10 most frequently used lineups, only two of them are like in the negative. That's a polar opposite story. Darius, we were cracking up earlier when in the season and we were like, the the different ways that you can find bad data for Avery Bradley, like so many arrows were pointing toward, like he was the the reason lineups weren't working, but that's not what it, what's ended up being the case. No, it was more like, guess what? He was playing in that starting lineup that nobody liked and it was tanking his data. And then the Lakers were so injured, he ended up in lineups with three other guards and he's the power forward. And it's just like, oh, well, yeah, this isn't ideal for you either. And 
the reason why most of the lineup data stunk was because there were literally like three lineups that worked for the Lakers. They all had like LeBron and AD in them, right? And if you weren't in one of those those three lineups, good luck for finding like a pause, like to make you look good within the context of five man data, right? And but now now that some of the Lakers injury stuff has stabilized or or at least it's like, oh, well, only two guys are out. Right. And so now we can form a rotation here or Anthony Davis is out and Ariza and none are out. And it's just like, OK, well, we could work something with this. We've got all of the disparate pieces of a real lineup to put out there more consistently. And now with these small ball groups, I would argue this stuff fits Bradley, too. Pete, like, yes, what are does. you seeing on tape from Bradley that is sort of just like, oh, hey, look, you seem to fit into this style as well. So screeners and cutters going forward from an X's and O's standpoint, this is going to be a, a real focus of mine in, uh, you know, that's something that THT, Avery Bradley, Stanley Johnson, the idea of playing small, even within that, you've got different roles, right? Your shot creators, your shooters, and then your guys who are like, okay at that. Those are your screeners and cutters. So Avery Bradley has wonderful cutting instincts. And that's something that within the space and within the gravity of our shooters and with the gravity of LeBron, it's very easy to turn your head on the weak side because you might have low man responsibility any moment now. And all of a sudden, Avery Bradley is cut behind you and has a layup, and LeBron's going to spot that. And and so that's something that Mike, his it's so interesting with vet minimum players to see how sensitive their lineup data is, how sensitive their quality of play is uh, to their surroundings. Right? They can look very, very bad or very, very good. And I would argue that Avery Bradley has looked very good in these smaller lineups, which I would not have expected. And in the text thread, Lord knows, I I let my God, we got to get AB out of the lineup. We can't start him anymore. He shouldn't even be in the rotation. All of that, all of a sudden, he looks like a very valuable, like you need some fire hydrant players to play small. And AB is one of those guys that really does a lot of the dirty work Although with with some warts for sure, but he's been very effective, Mike. Yeah, I know for a while we were talking about. So just starting on the defensive side of the court that Bradley has even acknowledged that he sometimes gets so into his own matchup that he's not thinking as much about off the ball. And and so he if there isn't the type of player that he can lock into, then he isn't helping a ton on that end. But the numbers haven't borne that out as much lately. Like he hasn't, you know, struggled as much. Uh, in those situations and the cutting I think is an interesting aspect that you bring up because I think of we talk about this all the time I know but the team that won the title there weren't that many guys like green would sometimes have that baseline cut you know that would pay off so it's not open it's not as open in a four out one in type of setup like if you have a big even if it's uh, ad on the floor so like our setup and scheme is part of what's opening that up too but that's just the nature of going smaller is all of a sudden this is available of course so you would have on in in those teams you would have javel or dwight sometimes on the court now cuts would be open a little bit when they went to ad and he did play plenty of center so that's when you would see green get in there once in a while kcp caruso though was the guy that i think cut the most and had the best instincts about it but now you've got a couple of different guys that seem to be pretty good at that and Bradley is certainly up there so that's a nice aspect of it and he's also been he's been shooting better uh, than I think I expected 
And Darius, that's a just that alone is a big reason that he he has kind of earned his way to me to stay on the roster. Mike, so only 3.3 attempts per game, but he's 40% from three this season. Like right, so right on the nose. Catch and shoot threes, he's 38.8%. And I'm telling you, man, like zero dribbles. So that's catch and shoot 38.8. One dribble, three. So basically those are going to be the blow by threes, right? Where hit ball fake, guy runs by, you dribble, you sidestep dribble and and pull up. Those are very low, well, well, low volume, but he's hit 54.5% of those threes this season. So the idea of him as a like, oh, I can do a little bit of everything on the court. He can handle the ball a little bit. You trust him defensively, at least Vogel does, especially as, as, as an on-ball player. Pete, I'm glad you brought up his cutting. Cutting is probably his best attribute as as an offensive player. He just has great feel. And even in these five out sets, you're still posting LeBron. There's still all this drive and kick. And when there's drive and kick, we often think of drive and kick as spray out high or spray to the corner. But when you drive and kick, that baseline cut is also super available and that top cut where you loop around and come at the angle for the drop-off pass that's there too and Bradley is just he has great feel his his defender turns his head to ball watch and Bradley is lurking and he has great chemistry with LeBron when LeBron is posting I think it's a no-brainer to guarantee his contract he's basically started all season and he's been a productive part of the lineups that he's now been in for the past, I want to say, six or eight weeks. So I would guarantee him, but I don't know where you both are with that. I would. I'm a little more tepid about about him even looking as good as he has within this lineup. Uh, but it's taken so long to get our feet under us this season that this is the crew we got. And Avery Bradley's one of the guys that's helped get us through to this point, right? And and so there are so many other things that still need to be settled that if this were the offseason, I'd be saying we need to see if we can find a better player than Bradley. Yeah. But that at makes this sense. point, you know what I mean? But yeah. at this point, and, and like he knows the system, uh, he's he there's trust from the coach. He's like one guy that Frank doesn't have to worry about, Mike. You know what I mean? With all of these this turnover and all of this, like, oh, now we're a micro ball team with AD out and then gonna be a small ball team that just like I don't have to worry about that, I think has a lot of value for a coach. Well, I think a lot of it is also just tied to if if you're not going to like it gets back to the center conversation because if you're not going to play a, seg- a center regularly, then you're that's where you're really looking at. That might be the spot where you can afford to have one fewer guy and you can have an additional guard. Then Bradley is the kind of guy that it's nice to have on the roster where on a given, even if it's somebody that you're just having for a given night, hey, go attack this point guard for five minutes, a half. Like even Even if it's just that, and then you have a guy like, you know, Monk, and maybe you bring in another wing or something like Ariza. Uh, and those are the two guys that are then starting next to the three stars once AD gets back. That's fine, too. But I'd still rather have that option than another big when you're likely only going to play one of those spot minutes. One last point on Bradley for me, Pete, and I don't know if this sways you anymore, but I think it goes on top of the idea that you mentioned about familiarity and trust that Vogel might have for a player that he's familiar with is when you play smaller, one of the things that you do need is sort of 
dog and phys- like physicality, right? Like that that sort of toughness. And if there's a quality that Bradley has inherently in in him, it's it's that. He's not going to back down from a box out. He's not going to back down from digging down and and sandwiching and collapsing on on a big. He is going to get his nose in there and I think that 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 does free up some of the more maybe finesse players to do some of the other things that they're going to be good good at rather than telling, "Hey, Malik Monk, you crash down." Right. And, and get your nose in there and maybe take an elbow to to the face because you're really digging in against a big man like, no, nah, we got Bradley. Bradley's going to do a little bit of that to spare you some. And it goes back to that slotting discussion that we were talking about the last pod where what are your attributes and what do you put onto to the table so that maybe another guy doesn't have to do those things. And I think Bradley has value there, too. Absolutely. And that's a conversation within the perspective of the broader roster. And so when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about the roster through a different lens than I think we spoke about them this past offseason. So in this transition to most likely AD being the starting five and LeBron being the backup five going forward, it makes the roster look a little bit different than it did over the course of this summer. So under those parameters, Mike, assuming that DJ's out of the rotation, that Dwight is the occasional big that you need against one of the other really big guys, but most of the time, no no Dwight. Under those parameters, when you look at this roster, what are some of the the places that you think that we maybe need a little bit more? This won't shock you. I'm going to stay consistent. And it's still that really real two-way wing. Like that. And Stanley Johnson has represented the defense quite well. Uh, I think Ariza, the so Ariza in his prime type two-way, I've I think Ariza has been fine and and am encouraged that I think he's gonna keep getting a little better as he gets more into it. But that would still be to me the place where you can upgrade. Uh, the roster and that's you know because Kendrick Nunn's coming back we'll see how he looks I think they have a lot of that type of player uh, into in, with what just with Malik Monk to an extent THT to an extent like those guys can duplicate some of what Nunn does even if he has a, the chance to to bridge it better but that's still that one spot in the roster that I think would be great to have next to the to the three guys uh, and and then whoever your shooting spot is I've been asking for this guy all year Mike, and that's the forward that slots between LeBron and AD that can also space the floor for Russell Westbrook. Like that's been the piece that this roster does not have. You can't have everything. And so I get not having that guy. That guy is usually super valuable and every championship team wants that guy. Right. But that's sort of the missing piece to this team. It is the guy who can play next to LeBron when LeBron's a center. He's the guy that can play next to AD when LeBron is off the floor. And he's the guy who can play between all of them. And he can take, in theory, take the tougher defensive assignment on the wing if that guy is sort of like a scoring big wing. Like, So there's a lot on the bone for that type of player to chew on, right? And... and in theory, that's the piece, Pete. Like, are you – I know in pre- past conversations before they were like a smallish team and really going in that direction, you maybe wanted like a, a higher caliber center 
And that's potentially something that would still be out there for the team. But but where are you at in terms of like team needs here? I want to zero in on your point about the four and talk about that hypothetical player that that you're discussing. And I think in some ways, like the player you're discussing and the player that Mike's discussing can be the same player in some yeah. instances. Yes. You know, uh, it, it is the same player. I just kind of I yeah, I'm thinking of the when I say big wing that changes some based on 2021 to, well, I guess, man, 2022, here we are, uh, 2022 <laughs> yeah. than a couple of years ago. So that guy in the modern game has to be able to scale bigger. Whereas in the, in the past, that guy had to be able to scale smaller. Absolutely. And so when I, as someone who's watched this team very closely and has, I, and has very much believed in this roster build that I don't know if we've executed it all the way to be able to build a championship team, but like, I dig the idea. I think we've got the best two small ball bigs in the world in Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And I think that using that as an anchor point to build the rest of your roster going forward, I dig it. It makes sense to me. And so as someone who's believed in that, what this can be, my biggest concern right now on the roster is our athleticism around the rim. Now, that looks a lot worse without Anthony Davis, for sure. And there was so much of the time where we did have AD, but we didn't have all of our wings or we didn't have LeBron James that maybe I am overestimating this concern. But my number one, this is going to get us beat in the playoffs concern right now is both Carmelo Anthony and Trevor Ariza at this point in their careers are not particularly athletic. They're not going to win vertical battles around the rim. Ariza is kind of that wily old vet that used to be that Stanley Johnson kind of athlete that um, knows, like he's more of those guys that is getting by now on knowing what he's doing than real physical gifts. But if if you're small, you either have to be able to sprint around and be fast and cover distance, right? If I can't beat you over the top, I can't block your shot. I'm going to beat you to your spot. You, so you got to be fast on the ground or be able to jump. And my concern with both Ariza and Mello is neither fit that particular definition. And we need one guy, Mike, who can, one more guy who can win athletic battles around the rim. Pete, the way that you just described that makes me think of playoff basketball. And this is basically the reason why I, kept picking the Lakers to win the last two years, because when it comes down to it, the guys that are going to be on the floor, nobody's going to be able to battle LeBron and AD in there. That included Kawhi and Paul George over the course of a seven game series. I even think that would include Brooklyn with Harden and with Durant and with Kyrie, even though that presents a little bit of a different look, because we haven't seen those guys play much together with all the shooting, blah, blah, blah. And even like the way that the Bucks won the title with Giannis, that was still ultimately what they did. To beat Phoenix like Phoenix just could not handle he, Aiton couldn't handle him Chris Paul and Devin Booker are basically out of that conversation this is the history of the game here so I in LeBron and AD though to be able to do that for a whole regular season and then whole playoff series they I do think that they need some additional help um, to to get that part of it done so I I just I wanted to speak to that point Darius and let you pick it up that this is still ultimately part of what makes playoff basketball so significant Yeah, this is why the guy that me and Mike are talking about, Pete, which may differ from the guy that you're talking about, is that I want a guy who is almost a lock to be in the closing lineup, basically, right? Like that sort of that sort of the guy that I want is, okay. you've got LeBron, you've got A.D., you've got Russell Westbrook. Now, there's going to be a shooter on the court around those guys. That guy's probably going to be a guard. And so 
take your pick. It could be Monk, it could be Reeves, it could be Mellow, it could be Mellow, or honestly, Shooter is loose here, but even it could be a guy like Avery Bradley. So there's a guard. You need a guard there. And then the next guy can be all kinds of other different things too. So if it's a big guy, if they're playing Denver and it's Jokic, maybe it is Dwight Howard, maybe, right? If they're playing Philly, maybe it is Dwight Howard, right? I'd still go AD there, but but you have choices. In the big picture, though, that's why I'm just like, okay, well, who is the other forward? Like, who's who's the guy that you put out there that is just like, yeah, you get to guard the other team's best wing because the league is built around those yeah those what, what does this player what does this hypothetical player have to be able to do i think you just touched on one of the really important ones but there's a few things that I, a few boxes that and like you said earlier you're not going to get a guy who checks every single one no, of you're them not exactly the way that you want them to but what are the the things that we need from that this hypothetical player we're talking about i think he needs a baseline level of athleticism i think he needs to be able to defend on the wing capably And if he can scale up and then also like hold his own against a more traditional power forward type or switch up to a center if he has to and not just get bowled over, that would be useful. And I think he needs to shoot a baseline level. He needs to be a competent three-point shooter on open catch-and-shoot threes. Now, if you can do more than that, great. But those are the things that I'm looking for. So this is what the Lakers did and... Mitch Kupchak at the time when they upgraded on Trevor Ariza to Ron Artest. And because guess what? Ron Artest, Kobe doesn't, Kobe doesn't have to guard the other team's best wing uh, unless he wants to in certain matchups. And certain because Artest, he can guard everybody. He can guard all those guys. And he's not a great three-point shooter, but he's good enough where you have to get out there and he'll bang one, including in game seven. What's up, Boston? So that's... That's the kind of guy that I think is going to be certainly hard to find, but it's what right now, Stanley Johnson and Ariza, their importance, we've seen how much better the Lakers have been just with those guys, just with those guys approximating some of what that additional player does. And so is there somebody that's out there that is a, you know, that is an upgrade there that that's the spot because you're, you can't upgrade at Westbrook's position just based on everything. You can't upgrade certainly on LeBron uh, and AD spot. And they have enough of the guys to kind of fill in the guard shooter. It's Monk one night. It's, as you mentioned, it's Reeves, it's Bradley. But those guys, none of those guys scale up defensively. And neither really does THT. I think that we took a look at that. But in a again, in a playoff series, you're not going to ask THT to go out there and match up with some of those really big wings. Agreed. They, they can just go over the top of them. Yeah. I don't expect anyone here, except for me, to really start talking about a bunch of guys' names. But... You're not going to get a guy like this on the buyout market. This guy's just not going to materialize and come to the Lakers for a veteran minimum deal because his team waived him. And so ultimately, we're talking about potential trade targets, right? We're talking about guys that are on other teams. I don't need you guys to comment on any of these guys, but I think that there's reasons why there have been rumors about a player like Jeremy Grant for example, and like, oh, the Lakers have interest in Jeremy Grant or a player like Harrison Barnes. I haven't heard specific reports about the Lakers being interested in Harrison Barnes, but he is that sort of dude as well. Another guy that would probably make certain Lakers fans like sick a little bit, but and he's not as big as those guys, but like a guy like Marcus Smart 
checks several of those boxes as well. Now he's again, he's not a six eight six six nine guy, but a physical defensive presence sort sort of dude. And if those are the sort of roster upgrades that that you're looking for, then the Lakers are going to have to trade someone and maybe multiple people in order to try to get those those guys. And I don't want to get into a bunch of trade speculation on the pod. Like trades are very hard to make and you need two two willing partners and the guys that you have, other team has to want those guys too. But from your guys' perspective, without commenting on any of the, the specific names, like are those sort of those skill sets, that sort of the thing, right? That is sort of lacking here, right? Like I could bring up more guys' names, but I think these are the sort of idealist targets that the Lakers should should be looking for. Complimentary wings of yeah. different natures. Your tall, lanky ones, your fire hydrants that can switch uh and guard fives sometimes and play mm-hmm. and play that micro ball five position that we were talking about, screeners and cutters. One of the fun parts of this style of basketball is that the style of player that fits it can be a little bit different than other styles. And so it's a it, you know, it stays confined to the the text thread these days in terms of trade proposals and things like that. But I think that the type of player that we need is very much clear and and, and on the wing. This is a to be continued. We're going to revisit this as we get to know this you know very small team without Anthony Davis right now. As as we get decisions on Stanley Johnson, Avery Bradley, certain deadlines and and. You know, the trade deadline is mid-February, so we are going to revisit this topic a couple of times before the deadline. We will be back. We got the game against the Kings tonight. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow to cover that here on the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, two, one. Missing. Right. Unbelievable. Right. 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 It's over. Shot popping out of five. Bryant. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble. 
And banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.